I know you just to run over what you've what you sent through. Um, you know, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna run it up the guts. We can touch on our front rowers. We can touch on the guys that slot into those roles and where they fit as a tweener or a front rower. Well, I didn't change it around in the order that I sent it to you, but I think we'll do the um, the dummy file. And the dummy file, obviously, yeah, yeah. The dummy file first, because there's only one. The dummy yep. notice one? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got it. I've got George it up, yeah. Burgess, but I didn't notice it. Which one, sorry? George Burgess. George Burgess? Yeah, I didn't I th- notice it. I think... The one that I saw him do, Damien Cook got it out and it was 10 metres out and then he passed it to him. And then that was one that I saw. But then another person commented on the video saying George Burgess surely has to go for going from 10 metres out, which doesn't qualify. Doesn't qualify. Doesn't qualify. But there was one that I saw where there was a guy that went, I can't remember what game it was, but he went from dummy half. And scored? But, well, there was one where you had Alvaro go over and he was, he was a no try. And there was another one which got held up. And then obviously they come 10 out. Look, you got pretty close there. You didn't, you didn't fuck anything up. The fuck up is when you're a meter out and you try and burrow in. The yeah. Sure. Moves nowhere and gets 10, another 10 second breather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, did Alvaro go from dummy half? I think he did, but he almost scored and it became a no try. Yeah, well. But that's not a punishment, bro. I don't think. Yeah, well, it's only if you're like. In and around near the trial line, yeah, trying to be greedy. Within, within a couple of meters, yeah, really. Trying to be greedy. Really, in that one meter, really, is that's the that's the real foul where you get hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the thing is the the, the the bits where the guys go wrong is look as we said. Look, our problem with the dummy foul and what well, with the the participants of the dummy foul is not that they've gone from dummy half um, to try and score a try. It's the time that they've chosen to do it. Because all those cool cats like Joey Manu and Dylan Brown, who they when they go from dummy half near the try line, they always score. Or Happy Coruscant. Yeah, or Happy Coruscant. But when do they go? They go when they go, oh, I guess there's only one guy there. I found a bro- oh, There's a hole. I'm just going to put it over. Or Joey Manu's like, yeah, there's only three of them. Like, they need at least five. But the ones which go straight in the dummy file are like Lachlan Croker, when you see them run to dummy half and you're like, you had no objective other than I'm going to score the try. This is just under eight stuff where you just go, I get, uh, I get five bucks off my dad when I score tries or I get a meat pie and a pat on the back. So I want to score tries. And rather than waiting for them to pass the ball to me, I'm just going to go. <laughs> it doesn't matter who's there. And always the worst case of the dummy file, you see them go and they run into a wall of four defenders. And that's even worse because if there's four guys right there, that means there's none over there. There's none when you pass it. And that's why you're in the file. Get in the file, son. Get in the file. Like um, well, yeah, only one over the weekend. One over the weekend. Uh, Reed Martin. So it was still a warning. And I was happy with that. I wasn't at the time. I was a little bit worried, you know, because it was the start of the weekend. I don't know if many of them were listening, but they were. They took the warning on board. Uh, they've taken. They're, they're, they're learning, and, the, and this file is actually proving to actually do its job. So yeah, only I'd one like there. I'd like to uh, think so because we're coming to the business end of the season, where you know you get to finals footy and you make you make bad decisions in the dummy file and get yourself in that dummy file. Uh, the coach is going to get that dummy file at the at the off season, and it's going to depend on it. Look, we're going to send it out to all coaches. Who's in the dummy file? Don't worry, Des has already got a few messages about Lachlan. 
Um, and we'll see what happens this offseason. He's going to try have to train his ass off. He might have to move to a different position because backup hooker is not helping him. You're an enabling, an addict. Correct. That's exactly right. Now, you, wouldn't um, tell, you wouldn't tell a recovering alcoholic to go get a job in a pub, would you? Silly idea. But anyway, um, we also had some front row score some tries. They're, they're, our, um, they're our absolute favourites. Our front row. We've got to run it straight, but I just want to get these front rows out of the way first. Yeah. Um, you know what I noticed about our front rows getting over as well? Uh, all hyphenated names. Of the, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, we had, a, we had a, a perennial try scorer, Brandon hamlin Ueli, fifth meat pie of the year. Um, that's five more than Blake Ferguson. Oh, uh, I, see a lot of, I, I see a lot of Beaver Menzies in him. Now, I think he's yeah, going to be yeah, one of the top try scorers for a forward. Oh, Brandon. So he's got, maybe Papali is his hero. Papali'i. He has a photo of Papali'i on his wall and he says, I want to be like him. He says, I don't want to be like Josh. I want to score more. Exactly. And that, that's what you want. You want to have your idols, but when your idols become your rivals and you want to exceed them, you want to yeah. move and show them the truest honour of them being an idol and, and, and surpass them. And, and Brandon, he's on his way. Who else scored yeah. a... Scored a try. Well, uh, Another half a nation. Yeah, look at we had a Adam Blake. Also, he doesn't mind the try line either. Got himself a double earlier in the year. Um, so he, he managed to find the line for Manly's only try, unfortunately, for, for the Northern Beaches fan base. And Big Nelson, he's hard to stop. Nelson, Nelson Ossoff. He scored a try. He scored a try already this year, hasn't he? He scored, scored a couple. couple. I think that's his third. I yeah. actually you know, I thought that we might get a big Tino getting over for a try on the, on the weekend there. That was, my, that was my pick of the day. I thought there's going to be a, a try scorer up the middle for Melbourne. I just thought it was going to be Tino, who's a, you know, try scoring phenom. Yeah. Um, but it was Nelson instead. Now, I love Tino, right? He's one of my favourites. I really, really struggled with his last name. But other than that, uh, uh, even with that, to be fair, I, I do love it. Um, but unfortunately, I am starting to get a sneaking suspicion that he actually might not not be a front row for too much longer. But, um, and, it, and it makes me, you know, question, I'll, I'll send it out to you. We have a few special mentions and, and Tino, granted he didn't score, but he falls into this category of front rows. Now, uh, who else? There was a few other forwards that play lock, yeah, well, it, come off the well, bench. I guess even to, before we go into those, that, yeah, it's, the, you know? it's that classification. Before so we I just want to give him a special mention. Right. And we'll actually talk about it, but Nat Butcher, uh, Isaac yep. Liu. Yep. Uh, we had Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson. Yeah, he probably actually does play on the edge, Josh Jackson. So you're lucky to get to be mentioned in the same conversation as front rowers there, Josh. Uh, yep. But we Joe, had yeah, Joe Tarpany, uh, correct? And I swear I've seen him wearing number ten, and and then that Hudson Young from from Canberra as well. So two yep. of those guys. Now it brings us to this point where they're probably not front rowers. But they're also not edge back rowers either. We've seen Tarpany play on the edge, but you weren't getting the best out of him for himself and for Canberra when he was on the edge. So he was better in the middle. So it brings us to this point. There's more than one way you can play the play the middle. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think what you've got now the with the evolution where as we've spoken before, where we're you know, five years ago it became just a spot for another front rower. And you really just did have three front rowers starting and then the guys on the bench. But now we're starting to see teams pick and choose a bit more as that lock position has evolved and the game has sped up. The way teams want to play that has really evolved in whatever the personality of their team is. Yeah, do so you I think, feel like... Do you think it's more the speed of the game or do you think it's more the skill of the game or the defence more so being able to ask them more questions? 
Correct. I think the defense has gotten better. So you've got to offer more than just big guys punching the line because the defense is good enough and smart enough to just, they're going to, uh, unless you've got some just real catch. You've got to ask them more questions. Yeah, you've got to ask more questions and they catch in exactly. So and they, everything's, you know, tackling in twos and threes is very rare getting those one-on-one battles in the middle. So the way I see it, you've got the, the three lads we just spoke about. Those guys are your traditional out-and-out front rowers. Absolutely. You know? And you can tell by the body shape of them, you know. This man mountainous off of Solomon who's two metres tall and 130 kilos, like, that guy's not playing any position other than front rower. Like, there is no other position. And then you look at Adfanor Blake and, and Hamlin Newelli, you know, they're big, they're strong. Um, they're not get they're not going to win any bodybuilding contests because, they ca- they, you know, they, they carry a little extra with them, but they need that. But they be, need that extra yeah, with them. Even when you... We we see little like um, I've seen photos of Hamlin Newelli in the Junior Kiwis, and he might not necessarily been like cheeky, but yeah. you could tell he was big. But that yes. was always probably part of his makeup. Say like a little bit like Tal Malolo, where they might have been big, but they were they were football strong. They were football fast yeah. as well. well have you so, seen? You know, you look at the size again. It's very different sport, but you look at. Um, offensive or do you, uh, if you look at say uh, I look at a defensive end Aaron Donald um, in who plays for the the Rams um, in the St Louis Rams so the LA Rams now in the NFL and this guy he is thick thick but he's explosive you know and obviously very different kind of game it's it's a stop start kind of game. Um, but you see a few of those guys that play in that offensive line and they look like that they could be at a sumo contest. They could be in a hot dog eating contest um, as much as you could expect them to be playing professional sports. But they've got, you know, they've got to eat more to have that big man's strength and that extra, that extra size they have. They have the fitness and speed to throw it around. So they wouldn't be just like, if you saw another bloke who might be a similar size down the street and you ask him to run to the other end, you know, he may be asking for a lift before he gets to the other side of Anzac Parade. We wouldn't have anyone like that, would we? Uh, look, you know, know there's people like I may that. know. But look, you know, they're no, they're no important. Um, so then you've got the, you know, I guess... Uh, this is not Nathan really the, Brown? The Nathan Brown. So I guess it's not really the definition of... These are the different types of middles you're going to have. You've got that Nathan Brown, um, yeah, who is, you know, he's a bit smaller than the other front rowers, but he's, he's got a high work rate. You know, he's going to give you a lot and he punches above his weight. I'd also put in a different body shape, but similar style in terms of he's a, he's a hard, he's like, he tries to bend the line back a little bit like Cam Murray yep. as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, they, they, come at that, they come at the line in different ways um, to get that result, but they're both after that same result is, yeah, bend the line, quick play the ball, momentum for the team. Yeah, and then you've got guys like, you know, Tamalolo, who's, you know, one of, the, one of our great, great locks who's just, size, motor, footwork, you know, a bit of skill with it. Like, Liu's got great little footwork in the middle, you know, when he when he plays in the middle. Like, he's not going to be this silky ball player, but he's, he's certainly, he's, he can certainly pass both ways and, and offer a lot. Um, but he's going to give you a lot of hard meters and be no frills about it, you know. And then you get these smaller locks, um, guys like Victor Radley. Uh, you know, we saw Hudson Young, who obviously got over for a try. Like, he's, he's not a huge guy but he's got speed and a motor and they're bringing something else to the game. So it's sort of, there's a lot of variety in our middle now. So it's hard, you know, when we see guys going off uh, scoring tries um, and quite often that guy, especially the, it's the bench player that's hard to identify because yeah. as you've said to me a few times when we've sort of, we've gone over these front row tries and now you look at Nat Butcher and Nat Butcher came off the bench and he replaced Takiyaho. 
Yeah. So did he start? Did he start on the left edge? He started. Sorry, he started for Cordner. He did. Yeah. He did. But in the past, many times now, Butcher will he comes off the bench. Yeah. The edge guys aren't coming off very often. Yeah. You know, it's 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 usually these guys coming on the middle, are coming on and playing in the middle, but offering something different. Yeah. But are they a front rower? Well, if I see him take a ball off the kickoff, then I'll put him in the category. Yeah, but all, yeah, fair enough. But also, the thing is, when you carry a bench play, you, you sort of you, you might have one guy who's a now now front row that comes off the bench. But yeah. if you look at the the Roosters per se specifically, their their guys that they have on the bench do have a bit of ability to play on the edge. Do you know yes. what I mean? Where say Liu, for example, might not necessarily play on the edge, but he's that smaller front rower type. Whereas now yeah. Butcher, uh, even Orbison comes on, plays in the middle, but Orbison will play at centre sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But, but, but Lindsay Collins is the out-and-out front rower who's going to be coming off that bench. Exactly. Actually, he would be one of them, and mostly. But, yeah, yeah. and same with South. They've got that Liam Knight or the... Yeah. Uh, Mark Nichols. Yeah. But so, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Sorry, it's interesting because I think we're, we're seeing more tries through the middle you know, obviously, and more action happening through the middle. So hopefully this means this, mate, it's, you know, when you've got a winger who's got zero tries in the year, you've got these big boppers with four, four, five. That's what we want. Finally, well, the playmakers are getting rewarded with tries. Well, the reason, the reason being is because they're starting to be recognised. And it's a platform like two in the tackle that actually recognise the hard work that they do and know, these front rowers know now, they know that if they score a try, we're going to show them some love. You know, not like all the other shows out there that just want to talk about all these Sione Katoas in the bloody corner. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me bloody wrong. I like seeing those trials in the corners as well, mate. Don't you worry about that. But I just want to show some love to the front rows because they don't get enough. They just don't get enough. All right, now, speaking of front rows, we're going to run it straight. Yeah. Take it away. Gonna run it straight, mate. And this has been this has been grinding me for a, for a while now because it's been going on for a while and it continues to to burst its way forward. I'm running it straight at News Limited, namely Paul Kent and James Hooper, because they've been the most vocal of their criticism and to the fact that there's multiple articles about Smith owes it to the storm. What is he wasting his time? They're not just saying, "Oh, look, I feel like he should." They're out now, adamant that he's. It's like he's breaking a law by saying, I don't know what I want to do next year. I'm not quite sure yet. Now, there are many players that feel that way. But if there's anyone who has earned the right to decide whether they want to go and continue on another year, I think it would be Cameron Smith. The guy's been around forever. And, yeah, he just hasn't been treated very well. It's been, it's been kind of been a running theme for the last few years. Like, early in the year, remember when they were going at him for, um, oh, he's, he's went complaining to the ref, look at him point and tell them they're offside, and then they got a penalty. And they made this – it made a 10-minute segment on 360 back in the days when I used to watch that crap. Um, but every fucking player whinges to the referee. <laughs> every single player is going to attempt to change their mind, and it very rarely ever happens. And all this guy's ever done is sat there and served Melbourne Storm with class. He's brought them success. He's made them uh, relevant. And as much as they want to say that he owes them, well, they owe him as well. And I'm sure... And look, no one from the Melbourne Storm has said, listen, we, Cameron, you need to sort of get a move on here. None of them. You know, in fact, when they're pressed and asked about it, Bellamy said, take as long as he needs. 
Well, the, the thing for me is, if, if it's such a big issue for Melbourne, draw a line in the sand. It's, it, the, the big issue here is these two reporters, and I'm sure there's plenty more at Fox Sports, but it's just, it's literally just to create a headline, to create a story, to give them something to talk about as if it's actually their issue. It's not their issue. It's a conundrum that Melbourne, have, a conundrum that you probably want to be in. Yeah. You know, that they've managed to develop two other guys to come through that play a similar position to this guy. I suppose the same position, not the similar position. They play the same position. If those two are waiting on him, that's their problem. And if Melbourne are waiting on him, that's their problem. If Melbourne turn, go tomorrow and go, we need to make a decision, we need to make a decision, make the decision. But it's not bothering them. And so it shouldn't really bother anyone else. Now, you can have a comment on it and you can have a thought on it and say, oh, you know, this is what the repercussions could be. But to actually make it seem like it's, a, um, it's actually going to ruin the club, yeah, doesn't yeah, really understand what they've got going on there, really. If you well, ask me. I think there's something deeper in there. It, this is the way I would look at it. James Hooper is a Tigers fan. He is like he's a he's a Tigers fan in heritage, so he's probably a little salty. He's got a little taste of Harry Grant, and he's going to have to give it back. So he's throwing that anger at at uh, at, at Cameron Smith. Paul Kent, Paul Kent's just he's just angry. But they just hate. They hate just, James Hooper hates. Ask any yeah, fan. They hate him. They know that he hates them. Yeah. They've hated... Look, Paul Kent's had a vendetta against Cameron Smith, it seems, for about the last five or six years. And, you know, he's a chief writer there at The Telegraph. And, you know, he's going to have some influence on the directions they want to go because it's not just one, it's multiple articles that come out. And, frankly, I just don't get it. I guess it's just... It's that crisis merchant attitude. Everything's got to be a crisis for it to be a story that people want to read. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's not, I don't even need to think it's about owing anyone anything, really. It's not about owing anyone anything. The Melbourne Storm have a future and it's going to be around, or pretend, the, the objective is for the future to be around a lot longer than Camp Smith. They're in a pretty, like you said, they're in an enviable position. They're envi- enviable position. They're either going to have Cameron Smith playing hooker again next year or Brandon Smith or Harry Grant. Yeah, and, and Cameron Smith doesn't owe those other two. If those other two are worried about it, make a decision for themselves. He doesn't owe them. Like, I'm sure, you know, if he talks about it, I'm sure he would have said, do what you need to do. I, I yeah. don't know. I haven't been in that conversation. I haven't been in that room. But if Brandon Smith is that worried about it, Cameron Smith's not going to hold him back. He doesn't say, mate, I haven't made up a decision. If you feel like you want to wait for me, wait for me. But if you don't want to wait, don't worry about the Melbourne Storm. Don't worry about me. Worry about yourself, which is what and, he's doing. It'd be stupid yeah. to say, no worry about Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. And for those two guys specifically, whether, whether Cameron decided in April that he was going to retire at the end of this year or whether he decides in November, there is not going to be a shortage of clubs that if Cameron Smith goes, I'm going to stay in Melbourne and, and one or both of them decide, well, you know what? I, I think I want to be a starting hooker somewhere. There is a half a dozen clubs that would be on the phone to them immediately with the checkbook going how much yeah for some reason i've got a i've got a sneaking suspicion not suspicion so that i always say sneaking suspicion i believe i believe harry grant i um i saw that quote that he said and for some reason this is what annoys me is the players will say something they will say it now i'm not naive to think that everything that they say is gospel but 
I am in a position, or I do believe that once a player says something, that's the end of it. It's not what you feel of it. It's not what you hear. Oh, no, no, no. I think he's got a backflip on it. From what premise? Yeah. Just the fact that you don't believe him, that's it. Well, that's irrelevant. The guy said he wants to go back next year. He's grateful for what they've done for him. He'll go back. I think he'll go back. I can see Brandon Smith not wanting to fight us around anymore. He plays football. But I can genuinely see Harry Grant going back to Melbourne and coming off the bench playing for Melbourne. That's not not a bad thing. He's only 20, what, two, three next year. He's turned 22, yeah. Probably only needs to do one more year, maybe two more years. But even still, he's only got to go back there for one more year. After that, he's on the market. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It's genuinely yeah, exactly. now, um, and maybe, and maybe he might want to play first grade for. He might want to start at nine next year, but um, at another club, of course. But I, 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 I believe him. I genuinely believe the fact that once he says he wants to go back because of them allowing him to leave, I feel like I've got to take. Yeah. It on. I've got no reason to suggest otherwise. He can provide whenever he wants. Yep. All right. So uh, we'll, we'll have to move on to our matches and focus from last week. We only had one. The one match and focus we had last week was the Parramatta Silt going down to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now, go down, oh, they did. Yeah, go down, they did. I, I, um, we, I suppose we all watched the game, but Parramatta, uh, I'm, start, I'm starting to feel a little bit of St. George 2009, yeah. where they're sliding and they're sliding yeah. fast. They might even get pick up a win before the end of the season, but. They might even miss the top four the way that they're going. What yeah, there's a good chance. Well, there's a good chance because they their four and against is not as not as strong as they are, the other three teams in the top four, and the Roosters and the Raiders are hot on their heels. And yeah, look, well, they keep playing like that. All right, I've got some numbers for you from yeah. that game. Before we go with the numbers, though, prior to that game, prior to that game, I was sticking up for them, saying their defence is solid. Um, <clears throat> They're showing grit, you, you know. You, if you had to choose gritty or pretty, I'd pick gritty. Yeah. I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. But they played a top eight side, a, t- a side that's not in the top four, really. And yeah. had 38 points to nil put on to them. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to hearing your numbers. But everything that I had said prior to that game, sticking up for them, giving them the benefit of the doubt, all got washed away with that score. Yeah, that's wiped. Yeah, it's wiped, yeah. Um, it's, it's questionable if they lost, but it's wiped when you lose like that. Um, all right. On Thursday night, Parramatta Eels missed 53 tackles. That is the most tackles that any team has missed this year in a game. Oh, okay. Most. So, which is, again, it flies in the face of this gritty defense that, you know, you would give them the benefit of the doubt for, which went out the window. The thing that, um, the thing that obviously we were questioning was their attack, which they scored nil. So, you know, they didn't really live up to that. Now, that's now five weeks in a row that Parramatta have failed to score 20 points. Yep. Five weeks in a row they've failed to score 20 points. Um, round 12, so four rounds ago, was the last time they scored more than two tries. And the team they played in round 12 was the Bulldogs. The only two teams that have conceded uh, that have scored less points against the Bulldogs this year are the Dragons and the Knights, and they both lost those games. Yeah. But the Bulldogs conceded 25 points a game. Parramatta have scored 26 against them in two weeks, in two games. Round one and round 12. 
So there's definitely some stuff lacking there in their attack. Um, once again, I thought it was kind of, uh, kind of funny to see uh, they held the team to nil and then were held to nil the following week, which is what they did last year in weeks one and two of the finals. Ironically, this time they kept Melbourne to nil um, in a very uninspiring performance and this time they were flogged by the Bunnies. So it's, it's starting to really add up now that they're, they're lacking some things and they're lacking some confidence and now that trusty defence, which we felt was so strong, but is starting to unravel. You make some wonder why are they struggling in attack? It's not the talent. Mitchell Moses, Wonga Blake, Michael Jennings, Ken Gutho, uh, Reed Marnie isn't isn't bad. It just it, it really makes me wonder they they're, they're getting enough opportunities. I feel like their forwards their forwards got bashed, their forwards got beat up. Yeah. Eighty minutes, it, there was a no contest. It was I said in the preview to that game that it was going to be a lot closer than the fight from the night before. It wasn't. It was worse. Yeah. It was worse. Yeah. It was a no contest from start to, from woe to go, as they say. Is that what they say? From woe to go. If there was an opportunity to throw in the tower, they would have thrown in the tower. So, yeah. um, but other than that, their forwards, their forwards have been quite, quite solid. I felt, I felt according to a few of their previous results. And, and it just makes me wonder why, why aren't they able to score? They've got Sean Lane, who's, who's very difficult to handle. They've got Ryan Madison, who's also another difficult customer. So there's no reason, well, no obvious reason. There's obvious a reason, but there's no obvious reason as to why they're, they're struggling with attack when you look at that roster that they've got out wide. Well, when they were humming, when they were really humming that first sort of eight weeks of the year, they were seven from eight. And that last time they really put, you know, put anyone away was against um, the Cowboys, that 42-4 win. And it's been off the back of this great forward pack. You know, we've, talk, we've spoken many times on this podcast about Geez, Paulo, Raymond Campbell-Gillard, like Nathan Brown, this starting combo in the middle is they're just eating metres, 150, 200 metres each, getting offloads. And the last time I think we spoke about these two guys, I think we spoke about Paulo and Campbell-Gillard, was when they played the Tigers. And they had a big game, big game against them combined. And, you know, they get a lot of second phase play off these offloads that Paulo's providing, that momentum that Brown's providing. But in the past, you had Moses and Dylan Brown Taking the most, making the most of that um, that momentum, and then they were able to pick some pick up a part on the edges, and with like you said, matters the Madison Lane, Michael Jennings has looked like he's twenty three again, not thirty three, and they just haven't been able to get that same flow. Like they they really seem like a team that needs to complete high. Like you know, we always talk, we talk about the Roosters every year have got one of the lower completion rates in the in the in the in the competition, but they're still regularly up near the top. And it's, as Robinson said, it's not, it's not how, how much you drop the ball, it's what you do with it when you have it. And they seem like a team that needs to have high completions um, to get where they want to go, to get that momentum, and then, and then getting the grind, they'll sort of grind away with you, but they need to be in the lead. Um, yeah, one game's from behind. So I'm, I don't think it's as black and white as, as being in the lead. When you don't score many points, yeah, granted, you do need to be in the lead. But for the last five weeks, like you said, they haven't scored over 20 points or anything like that. So you do want to be in the lead if you're not scoring more than 20 points. But Well, I think they've lost their confidence. That's why I say they need to be in the lead because they, they need to get that belief from it. You know, and by sort of they, when they get going, when they're inside, they get, like, granted, there's been a couple of games where they've got those slow starts and they were like, shit, we need to get our starts back um, because we've fallen away from games. And there was a couple of close ones where they managed to escape the win. Obviously, that Manly game was, we thought was going to be a wake up call when, you know, especially when we look at where Manly are at now. Um, Manly got the jump on them and they never were able to recover. 
and sort of it's just continued to spiral since then. You know, they got the, they got the start against the Dogs, were up 18 nil, and then nearly lost, and probably should have. Um, and yeah, it's just, yeah, it really is looking like they're out of puff. It looks like they had a, it was a 400 meter race that they were that they were ready to run. They're training for, um, but they've just gone too hard in those first 200, and everyone's starting to sort of just pass them. Really, they could finish outside the top four. Like they could really, they could finish fifth. Yeah, well, if they continue this trend, they're they're going to finish outside the top four. Obviously, mathematically, they're going to. I thought the Warriors this week, which will be an interesting match for them. So one of our matches in focus, which we will get onto shortly for this week. But before we get onto our matches in focus for 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 the upcoming week, I just want to talk about the Penrith Panthers real quick. Now, obviously, they're flying high, they're on top of the table, and um. You know, they're humming along out there. But a few weeks ago, I brought it to the attention of all our listeners out there uh, of the Triscorer supporter. Now, the Panthers heard that call and they all want a piece of it. They are, as a club, the best Triscorer supporters in the game. Now, Brent, uh, Brian Tall, one of my fan favourites. I, I was going to say fan favourite. I am a fan favourite of his. Uh-huh. I don't know. But he's one of my favourites. And he scored a try on the weekend. And Dylan Edwards gets in there, gives him a hug, bang, straight away. All right? And then it felt like the entire Penrith Stadium ran across and gave him some love. And every time the Panthers score, just watch it. They all come in. They're all feeling it. And they all want to be a part of this try score supporter. So for them, because they want to be a part of it, I'm going to give it to them. What, not only are they the best in the comp, but they all run in and they all get involved. Because remember how I said that the only Triscorer supporter is the first one there? If there's two that meet at the same time, that, no. Penrith are going get a, to get a pass here. I'm giving it to all of them. Because yeah, every time someone there. scores, they all come in and they all jump on top of each other. It's as if it's like their version of the Goanna. It's they get in there, they all like, Jump up, you see Crichton. So Luai was the first one to jump over the top and then Crichton come over on the top. It was just brilliant to watch him. And you can see that they're, age I'd say, enjoying their football. Well, maybe that's what Parramatta need to do. They need to be doing some more tries. I mean, they need to score some more tries to celebrate, but, but maybe they just need that one where they need to really get it going. You know, they're, they're going to come up against the they're going to come up against the try try scoring celebrating whiz kids of the Penrith Panthers in a couple of weeks. You look at their run; they got as you said the Warriors. That ain't going to be an easy test. The Warriors are showing they ain't laying down for anybody. They're like, hey, we got four weeks left here. Fuck, let's have some fun while we're at it. Might be, might be more. Yeah, might be more. Might be more if they keep winning. Then they play Penrith. Good luck. And then the Broncos, well, there's a bit of a reprieve. Like, you know, like if you want to get work in your attack, then at least you've got a, you know, you've got an opposition team to run some plays with. Um, and then the Tigers to finish. And who fucking knows? I mean, they could flog them by 30 or, or maybe Madge will get them just fired up just enough to, to knock Parramatta off going in. So they might, they might drop two or three games going in. It's a bit, this, yeah, this really could be, like you said, Dragons 09. The Parramatta Eels are they're pittering away. Yeah. Now, also, but, just on that Brian Tortra, uh, we spoke about Tyron May a couple of weeks ago, and I'm actually going to do a little piece on him this week. And uh, he was the one who threw the ball to Brian Tortra to get that try. But he was actually named to play on that left edge. Now, 
again, a few weeks ago when I was talking about him, I said the Panthers, they have an interesting sort of setup on the right where Tyrone May might defend at centre, but then he'll come in and he'll be the fullback or the ball player out, out yep. the back sort of thing. Whereas I don't know if he sensed an opportunity. I don't know if it was a set play. Or, or if he just does whatever the fuck he likes and he just finds himself on the right-hand side of the field because he can play football and he just goes out there and he just gets in there, boop-boop, sends that little ball over there to Brian Paul to get himself in the corner. Now, Thor still had a little bit of work to do there as well. It wasn't just a, one of those ones where it was an open trial on. He had to beat yeah. the defender first of all, and then I think he managed to carry a defender over to get that yeah. So, um, But it just, it just sort of, why I wanted to talk about that was that's just another example of where the Panthers are at, where they're not just sticking to their, their tram lines or their, not the tram yeah. lines, they're not just sticking in their... They're, not, staying, they're not just staying in their lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not at the Olympics following that black line, mate. They're jumping all over. They're water polo players, not 100-meter sprinters. Oh, exactly right. And, and, they're, and, they're, and they're doing a good... And that's what actually allows you to... We always refer back to Robinson because we listen to him a lot. But he, um, it allows them to express themselves. Mm. It allows them to play their football to get their, their touch onto the game. And if that means he's you know, defending left edge... Doesn't mean you need to stay there all game. Just make sure yeah. this is my, this would be my rule. This would be my rule: is do whatever you like, but be where you need to be. That'd be my rule. So if you need, if they need you there, you better be there. But if you want to be over here, go there. As long as you're where you need to be, where you need to be there, doesn't matter. That'd be and look, my rule. and they and they clearly show it as well. You know, um, much like you expect from these the classy, experienced teams of of the Sydney Roosters and the Melbourne Storm. Um, when they were missing key guys and, you know, in Coruscant and Kikau, um, two very important players for the, the Panthers' attack. Just the next guy just slots in. And granted, look, the Tigers have sort of lost their way a little bit to where we thought they might have been, you know, maybe finally make the finals and play, play, uh, play come September, October time. They just got on with it, Penrith. You know, they just find other ways to win. So, mate, credit to them. It's exciting. It'll be exciting when they start playing... I guess really like, I mean, the Parramatta game, obviously, because it is the battle out West, unfortunately, Parramatta is sliding. But then when you get to finals footy, when they're playing against the, the top end teams. Now, what I wanted to talk about, the, the other team, you want to talk about Penrith. As much as I was shocked um, by Parramatta getting flogged 38-0, I was just as shocked that South Sydney did it to them. You know, they've, they've, been, you know, they've been riding. I know they put a score on Manly last week. There's a few teams that put scores on Manly this year. And, wow, they looked impressive, didn't they? Yeah. You know, I don't like saying that too often, but South Sydney, you know, they were able to open them up. You know, like, they can talk about the Broncos and, you know, the Roosters scored 50 against the Broncos, but they've done it twice and haven't been many other teams that have put 50 on the Broncos. No other team has, yeah. Well, there you go. So they put 50 on a team, you know, you might not necessarily oh, yeah. be the best. Oh, no, be no, no. No doubt. No, yeah, it's not to say that it was, um, oh, it's just mainly a weak and soft and just South just got lucky. Um, we've we always known what South can do in attack because of the skill players and that spine they have. Um, but I just, you know, they put 50 points up against a hapless Manly side. And so often you see a team put 50 on and then they sort of flatten out the following week. And they didn't flatten out at all. And, you know, they got a bit of form going. So it's it's such a shame that Latrell Mitchell's now done for the season for them because they were starting to look like 
for that injury that they might cause some damage come come finals footy. And that's not to say that they can't. They definitely can't. But it's a lot harder. Like he's had a lot. He's had a lot to do with the way they attack um, Latrell, and it's just getting that combos that he gets going with Cody um, and Cooks looking, you know, looking like the Damian Cook we know again. But more importantly, the area where they've been lacking so much, um, they've been able to be dominant lately, and that's their forward pack. At Tavita Totola, like he's really coming along. Um, Burgess is starting to have some of his best games of football. So, yeah, look. <sighs> Where do you does does that just are you sort of with me there that you know the way they were playing and the right the way they blew the doors off Parramatta up until Latrell did his hammy there you're like, like shit. So yeah. else could could scare some teams and then Latrell coming out just that just kind of puts a line through them a bit. It does to 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 win the premiership you're going to need your best roster on the field most times. Yeah, most times especially when you're a team where South are. You know, they, yeah. they've pretty much really only got probably one through to 13, maybe. Yeah. And maybe the 17, but really one through to 13. Now, that's not a knock on Johnson, but it's more just a, a, a indication of where Latrell is and how, how important he is or how threatening he is, one. But two, and it's the same thought when you, you lose in a front rower, it starts to go, who's the next guy to replace him? Now, Johnson yeah. on the fullback, that's fine. But who replaces Johnson? Exactly, yeah. And they might get Gagai to come in, you know, to that side. Or not, they might. Like, so they'll get Paulo back to the other side, I'd say, and then they'd put Gagai on to the right. But you could... I never really realised how fast Johnson was until yeah. they highlighted on the weekend when Alan was getting run down. Yeah. When clearly, Johnson had that space. He may have got run down, but a bit of meter out from the try line. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. And, and look, the troll has, has the second most tries this year. It's not who it's not who replaces that guy. It's not who replaces Latrell. It's the guy who replaces Johnson. The guy who replaces him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's me. And if that guy can fill that role, then that's fine. But that's where you start to really uh, who you need to be performing as well. Because you it's not that Johnson's gonna let them down. He's just one, he's not as good as Latrell. Uh, because and as much as it is, like they talked about how in and out Mitchell can be, and it's true. We did notice that as, you know, we watched him intently for his entire career. Yeah. Um, but when the big games were on, and even when the big moments were asked of him, he was yeah. always there. I always think back to that game against the Broncos. Was it 2017, the first semifinal? And yeah. we were winning comfortably, and then, you know, Broncos managed to find the lead yeah. in the game. Yeah, and the ball just went to Mitchell. Just yeah. give the ball, and he just steamrolled his origin. Center. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Well, let's look at let's look at their run home. Then we they've obviously got a big clash against the Storm. Yeah, you know, one, of the, one of our matches in focus. Um, yeah. And following that, they've got Tigers, Dogs, and then the Roosters. So you know, a couple of sort of softer games and a couple of really tough ones. Mind you, they always tend to beat the Roosters the last round of the year. That's not true. Uh, well, recently, recently they have. Okay. Well, I'll tell you right now, in the Robinson era, um, every time the Roosters have won the comp, South Sydney have beaten the Roosters. That's not true. Last year? Well, in 2013, we beat them in the last round. Oh, we did too. I apologise. We lost the first game. Yeah, yeah. No, you're wrong. I'm oh, sorry. I'm wrong. You're right. Apologies. Apologies. Yeah. Accepted. Yeah, no, no, all right. I'll wind that back. I was starting to get superstitious thinking that, you know, 
I mean, I, I, as a Roosters fan, I really just want to be barricading for the Bunnies to sort of knock us in the last round. I even remember a time where we were, we were uh, heading into the minor premiership. It might have been about the minor premiership or something. And Robbo was like, well, if we win the minor premiership, we win the minor premiership. We're not too bothered about that. But we want to win every football game. It's got nothing to do with the minor premiership or, or no minor premiership. It's a football yeah. game and we want to win it. So... Uh, and that was towards, you know, you know how there's always that little thing. And the best thing about Robbo is, is professional as he comes across, he still, he has that, um, you can still see a little bit of, uh, lack of a better word, a bit of spite in him. You know, he yeah. definitely bought into the, the rivalry between South and the Roosters. He's in that. Uh, but even that little rivalry that he's got with Ricky Stewart um, and those little things like that, you can still see that he's still human. Although yeah. he comes across as well. We tried to give him a nickname, but nothing stuck other than Robbo, really, which was yeah. um, we didn't come up with. We wanted to give him the president type of t- title that Stevens yeah. has for the Boston Celtics. But there's nothing really that you give him other than Robbo because that's who he is. He like might be yeah. uh, like a professional coach and, you know, smart mind and all those types of things, but he still gets a little bit shitty, you know what I mean? And you see him sometimes yeah. be in the in the in the in the grandstand and there's times where he's very, you know and then there's times where he gets a little bit sooky. Yeah. I love it. In, in a robo way. In a robo way though. Like he's not yeah, yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. belly ache throwing water bottles across the room, but you know, you know, yeah. he's just you can see him just yeah, he's a yeah. little, to be fair, I've never met him. I'd love to meet him. One day, we're going to hopefully, we pray, I pray every day that we get Robbo on the show uh, and we get to interview him. But oh, like, he's that type of guy. I mean, I've seen a few of them, and I love these types of people. But they're a little bit off center, not completely yeah. off center. They're self aware, yeah. but they yeah. also know that they're self aware, but they also aware that they're just a little bit off. Which I find yeah. the ones that I don't that I find a little bit hard to accept are the ones that are a little bit off, but they're not aware of it. He is yeah. aware. I feel he's yeah, aware. Yeah. yeah. Um, like back, back, back to our matches in focus, or we're we gonna run. Let's, some- let's let's touch quickly on that game. But look, based off of what what we've sort of been talking about, I think we'd probably both be on the same page here. In that, with no Luttrell there, and the Storm just getting some of the getting the Camerons back. And the Bromwiches, I think Kenny Bromwich will be back next week as well. They're only really, they're going to miss Nelson and Brandon Smith, but really, um, and it's going to be up in, I think it's down in Sydney. I think the game's in Sydney actually, but South have a horrid record against Melbourne. But I think I, they're five, five of 32. Just on their run home, just on their run home, uh, they'll lose the two games to uh, Storm and the Roosters. Yep. But they'll win the other two games. They'll beat, is it the yeah, Bulldogs? They'll the beat Tigers and the Dogs, yeah. So that would put that would put South on that would put them on twenty four points, and I think a twenty four points is probably going to it's going to get him a home home final in that second half of the the draw probably sits him in around sixth. Yeah. Okay. Um, yep. You know, unless unless say Cronulla or the Knights were to win more game. than we expect them to, more yeah. than we expect them to. But well, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to see. Look, if South could, if South manage to beat Melbourne Storm this week. Bloody hell! Like, you know that that would really confuse me. Oh, that would I really confuse see, me. I can't see the Melbourne happening. Do the Melbourne Storm play the Panthers this year before the finals? No. I can't see the Melbourne Storm losing another game until the preliminary final or the grand final. 
Well, I'll tell you what, this is their hardest game in South. After that, they've got the Cowboys, the Tigers, and the Dragons. So, yeah, I don't see them losing the not a, game. Not that big a call either. Not that big a call either. All right, so that, that match, we, we, it's a match in focus in the sense that we're going to be focusing on it. But it's pretty much a type of game where it sort of speaks for itself. You know, if the, whoever wins that, well, it's not even whoever wins that forward battle because the Melbourne Storm, even if they, you know, might get beat in a little arm wrestle in the forward pack, they've got just so much class and so much discipline and so much strike. Like, yeah. you know, they tick all the boxes. Sometimes you've got discipline, but you lack strike. But they've got them both. They've got it all. So even if they might, you know, the, the, the way that South Sydney forward pack's been going, it's been spectacular this year. Or not this year, but, you know, this half of the, the last season. Month. The last month or month yeah. month and a bit, they've really been they've really lifted and um look great sides for South for next year because they you know they came into this year losing Sam Burgess, John Sutton, like you know lost a lot of experience, had to offload the other Burgess. They lost some of their regular guys and they were already starting to lose a little bit over that the last couple of years. So they've been able to develop some other guys into those roles, and you know, and Latrell's got another uh, got a year in the books with that team, you know. Give them another year, and they they're really going to be um, continue to be in that fight in that top end of the yeah. the, the rugby league sort of Absolutely. hierarchy. Well, so we've, got, we've got two other games matches in focus. There's let's the, the let's put the entree first before we get to the main week. Okay, yeah, we've got the Knights versus the Sharks. I think that's one of the earlier games this week. I've forgot what day it's on. Uh, Knights yeah, versus Friday the night. Now, Friday night's clock game. Okay, well the Knights, you know, coming off a bad loss to the Warriors. Um, it just, you know, earlier in the season, they got their draw against the Panthers in the way they got the draw. It wasn't the fact that they drew against the Panthers. It was the way they got the draw, where they were down 14-0, then two of the players through the spine go down for the game with, what, 70 minutes to go in the game? Yeah, yeah, first 10 minutes. And, yeah. and then they managed to salvage a draw out of that. I thought the steel is there. And then they showed a few signs of where they had a bit more steel in them. But over the last month, I think it's five weeks ago, they got beat by the Bulldogs at home. Yeah, that's the last time they lost in between. They had three wins on, on the trot between the Bulldogs loss and the Warriors loss. So two, two really bad losses on either side of a three-game winning streak. Yeah, and who were those three games against, though, Kaz? They won. Um, well, who did they beat? They beat uh, the Cowboys. Hardly impressive. They've lost nine in a row. Um, they beat who? Who, who were the other games they won? They won against the Titans. They beat the. Well, let's beat. Let's go yeah, for this one, guys. Yeah, they beat. They beat the Cowboys. They beat Manly in a close contest. Oh yeah, twenty six, twenty four. They won that. Yeah, the and, then, and, and they the flogged. And they flogged the Tigers, yeah. I'll give them that. It was a, a belting. And it was the Tigers. The Tigers, as bad as I think the Tigers are, you know, and I, I don't think the Tigers are one of those teams that are, that are, are going to have much success for a large part of their, uh, you know, time in the competition. You know, of course they're going to be up there. But if I was thinking of a basketball team, they're like the, the Toronto, really, you know. To, you know I think give them too much credit. What do you mean? Toronto have won one. The Tigers have won one. You know, they might have another time. They'll be down, 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 down. And then bang, they might win again. You know, know. 10 years. Bad reference. Bad reference. Oh, fair enough. Because while the Raptors might have won one, they're always in the playoffs. Oh, are they? Oh, fair enough. They're always there. They've been, they've, yeah, they're always there. The Tigers are a bit more like, I don't know. 
Like, Hard to use a basketball team reference, but they're, they're a team. They got one. They jagged one. They had looked that from when they won until 2011, they were relevant, and since then they haven't been, unfortunately. And they've been just short of being within the conversation, um, but they just haven't been able to get in the room. They've been able to get in the room to talk to the guy by getting in the other room, which they can only dream of being in, which they fell into 15 years ago because of Benji Marshall and Scott Prince and some Tim Cheen's magic. So, yeah, look, it's oh, no man. easy beat. Some Todd Payton magic as well. Todd Payton. Yep, some Todd Who, Payton magic too. Who front row scored that night actually as well? Todd Payton and Bryce Gibbs? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, look, I, it's, it's a real test for the Knights. You know, it, it's... Now, while this game might not decide whether they play in the final, uh, well, it could if we'll, with a bunch of other games. Um, it's going to contribute. Uh, true, both these teams are, uh, I think one's on 19, one's on 18. Yeah, seventh and eighth. Nine, this is the Sharks, Sharks The Sharks can't afford to lose this game. Mm-hmm. The Knights obviously don't want to lose the game, but they have that one more point over the Sharks. So. Yeah. They cannot afford to lose this game because if the Warriors win the next four games and the Sharks lose this game, then it puts a lot of pressure on their next three games after that. Mm. And the Knights, well, look, the Knights probably, they'd probably feel like they've got to win two of their last four to, to, well, they, to guarantee it. If they win two of their last four, that means even if the Warriors were to win all four, they can't be caught. Um, and this is one of the top, the Knights have got the Sharks. They play the Roosters next week, and then they've played the Titans and um, and someone another team down the bottom end of the ladder. They don't they don't have their last two games are pretty pretty easier sort of games you would think. They play Dragons and the Titans, so it's a massive game for the Knights. And look, I think regardless of of just the what the contributing factors to to making the eight, if the Knights were to lose here. Um, it would really sort of feel like a bit of a failure of a season, I think, um, because there's, Sean Johnson's not going to be there again this week. So you're going to have these these two young halves who fucking credit to them. They have obviously shown Morris um, that they deserve to be there, and Matt Moylan's sitting on the sidelines. So you know the Sharks were a team that I mean, you and I can both agree. Four rounds in, while I was looking at they were racing for the spoon, and while the they shark, haven't knocked off, the they shark, haven't knocked off any top eight. Sorry, I just want to. I know I want to take you off track here, but the Sharks are very, very lucky to be able to name Braden Trindle in that game. Now, the reason why I say that is if they don't want to pick Matt Moylan, don't name him in the 21. I just don't understand why they named him in the 21 in the first place, cut him because obviously they've got to bring it down. Why don't they just name Braden in the 21? Mm. Yeah, I guess that'd be a question for John Morris, wouldn't it? Did something change throughout the week? Yeah, fair enough. Well, whatever. Whatever. I I saw the thing that I liked about it, I'm sure you see it with all the halves, but, you know, sometimes it's sort of another reason why I like watching Chicks UFC is because they're a little bit slower. You can actually see a little bit more of what they're doing. Whereas, you know, the men, obviously, they're so efficient where it's harder for the untrained eye to be able to identify things. Yep. And they showed in one of the Sharks' tries in a slow motion, and there was a point where uh, Braden Trindle got the ball, and you saw him straighten up, and it was just so uh, typical of, of what you want halves to do, whereas they always find themselves drifting a little bit. Yeah. And you saw him actually go bang. 
And it's those little subtleties that I don't think get enough recognition or it's not necessarily get enough recognition. It's those little subtleties that I feel we need to see more of and explain to us and talk to us and show to us as viewers, as fans of the game, as opposed to hearing about KS15 to make his fucking decision. You know, or to hear about yeah. Anthony Seabold, whether whether he was the responsible for the Broncos are gone. You know what I mean? There's an article recently, uh, I think it was in it was the Daily Telegraph, I think, and it was about how in Queensland, where those players go from go to training and have to go directly home. And there's no surprise. Now the Melbourne Storm, okay, they're an exception, but they are an exception. Like they're an exception yeah. to every rule. So we'll just throw them out of this conversation. Yeah. Where it's no surprise that the Queensland sides are really struggling. Not only are they, you know, roster-wise not there, but the environment that it is to be created for them is so much harder because there's no escape. There yeah. is literally no escape. We always talk about people, you know, when you have interviews with these players and how they, you know, they always try and, you know, have a good balance, you know, a good balance between work. No, not even about sport, about life. We have a good work-life balance. You, have, you know, you want to have good relationships. You want to be able to have time for yourself. You want to have time for your family. You want to be able to do your hobbies. You want to have a good balance. Whereas in a professional athlete, when you're under scrutiny and you're a team like the Broncos, for example, where... Nothing, nothing, everything that you would have wanted to go wrong had gone wrong. Now, yeah. could he have been a, a factor? Of course he could have. Was he the only factor? No. But it was the media hype about him that made it the fucking story. When, why, are we, why, are we looking, why are they doing stories about how halves and showing us how halves are going into the line? About how why Victor Radley is a better ball player than Isaac Lou. Not that Isaac Lou's not valuable, but explain why does he do it better than Isaac Lou? Because he goes deeper. And how deep does he go? And what does it need to do? So that players, people can watch it and then they see it happen in the game. And they're like, oh, that was so great. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those are the types of things that we want to try and, you know, put forward to people and talk about. Oh, I fucking loved it. When I seen that, I was like, oh, that's, that was, if he doesn't do that, it just makes everything else over the, as the, as the play goes on, makes it harder to execute. You know what I mean? With, with he, those two... His job allows the next person to be able to do his job a little bit easier. But he still has yeah. to execute. They've still all got to execute. But because yes. he executed from the start, allowed for everyone else. Sorry for... With, I was going to say, with those two those two halves that they that played on the weekend, Trindle and Tracy, yes. um, are they the two halves that play, were part of that reserve grade side last year that won? The both of them? You'd have to say so. I would have to say, yeah, you probably would have to say so. I think if gathering by, so it's, look, there's the, the, you know, the real benefits of having the successful feeder club, um, which has really helped the Sharks. They've been able to replace those guys who have been in and out. Now, let's, we're not going to get too crazy about the Sharks. They haven't beat anyone that matters this year. Um, and every time they have come up against a top eight team, they've been, bar it, and the, the closest they came to was with Parramatta. And now we've seen where Parramatta really sit. So... Oh. You could have said this last week. What's that? Sorry. You could have said the exact same thing about South Sydney. Yes. Last week. yes. No. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. So and, and that's granted, the scout. You know, right, well, Mitchell, but if Latrell Mitchell was playing, I'd be comfortable to say they're a premiership contender. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Well, look, the the Sharks are going to have to. They're going to. We're going to know who they are by the end of the season because they run home after they play the Knights. They've got the Warriors, 
the Central Coast Warriors, the Roosters, and the Raiders. Ooh. So that's their, that's the Sharks' run home. They need to win this game. This is they this need is the best game. This game and next week are massive for them, obviously, for the team that's hovering underneath them. And especially if the Warriors come out and the Warriors fucking beat Parramatta this week, oh, look out. You know, Let's go, Warriors. Out. Let's go. And for the Knights, they're definitely they, they're playing for, you know, trying to really sort of sort out their identity. And, you know, as we said, that it felt like there was, some, there was more steel there than what has been there. Um, and it's... It's wavered. It's been in and out a bit. You know, they've lacked a bit of leadership. They're definitely... I think they're really missing Daniel Saifidi. They're missing something. Because that identity is the exact word, that exact word that I was trying to get at. Now, um, and, you know, credit to Adam O'Brien. He's doing as best he can, I feel. But that was the thing that was playing on my mind as I listened to him speak. He's got a picture of their identity. But... What his picture of their identity is and what their identity is aren't really matching up. Now, that's exactly the word. That is exactly the word that I was trying to try to identify. Yeah. <laughs> um, because now, you know, that is, he probably sees what, what their identity is. He probably sees that. But the way that he goes about it and the way that he talks about the Knights is as if their identity is where he wants it to be. And, and whatever he, maybe it isn't specifically or as far-fetched as I'm saying it is, but maybe that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to talk, well, this is our world. Maguire can be a little bit like that as well. This is our world. This is our world. This is what I see. This is, well, mate, reality check. This is what they are. So stop well, pretending that they're not that. Let me throw something else to you, Wick. Yep. At round, round 16 of last year, the Knights were on one competition point less than they are right now. They had scored a little bit less and they had conceded a little bit more than they have. So their defense is better and their, their attack is better than it was last year. And they had one more point. Um, they then went, proceeded to lose six or I think they lost about seven or seven of their last eight um, and just bundled out from, you know, top four contention to missing the eight. Yeah. So, you know, you'd hate to see history repeat itself for, for Newcastle. Um, and I think the draw is going to help them with who they've got because if they don't make the eight, then that's all on them. Yeah. I mean, look, it's all on whoever doesn't make the eight anyway, but it's fucking definitely all on them. Yeah. All right, who wins? Who wins? The Sharks. <laughs> you say the Sharks? I okay. think the Sharks, two reasons. One, I actually think they're probably playing a little bit better than the Knights. Mm-hmm. But two, it's a bigger game for the Sharks than it is for the Knights. The Sharks yeah. can't lose this game. They just can't. I... It's a coin flip. It's definitely a coin flip. I'm leaning towards Newcastle. Yeah, but you're um, a closet Knights fan, mate. We all know. I'm around too many of them. I'm around too many of them. But I, I see a bit of the bounce back factor um, of getting flogged. They seem to be... They have been... What they have been consistent in this year is when they've gotten beaten, they have responded. Um, they unfortunately haven't been able to be consistent with that. Um, they'll be playing at home. They're playing at home here in, um, in, at, Hunter, at Hunter Stadium. And the Sharks... If they're missing, like those grand, those two young fellas did really well for them against um, against the Cowboys, uh, but the Knights were much better than the Cowboys, even though they did lose to them earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but look, maybe golden point game potentially. I think it's going to be like one of those shootouts, two points, something like that. Yeah, well, Pierce better be on his game. It Pierce better be on his game. Anyway, we've had our entrees, a big entree, but you know we like we like a big entree. 
we got a moan now. We've got a moan coming up. You know, grand final replay down there at GIO Stadium in the, in the nation's capital. Canberra Raiders hosting the back-to-back premiers, Sydney Roosters. Ooh. Prediction quick, early. Early prediction, we'll talk about it. Early prediction on the on the game? Yep. Uh, like the actual result? Yep. All right, I'll well, go. I think, I think, I think the, the Roosters are hungry. Win. The Roosters are hungry, and I think they're going to win because they lost to them earlier in the year, and they're getting their guys back. First game for Sonny, Money Bill Williams slotting back in there. They're humming. Uh, they're going to try and lay down the smackdown. Yeah, fair enough. My prediction is they they have a. It's got to be the, the game of the season. I think it's got to be similar to that Melbourne game. It's got to be a cracker of a game. Sonny's not going to play too big of a role. He's going to play. He might have yeah. a little touch here or there, like a influential yeah. touch or memorable touch sort of thing. But I just think that um, the Raiders are going to get the job done because we're going to play maybe an eight and a half to nine out of ten. Well, I think the Raiders are going to play a nine to nine and a half out of ten. Okay, that's what I think. Okay. I think back, I really do. Uh, down there, the nation's capital. There, there, and, and it's so typical of Ricky Stewart how he does it. Like a game, the world was it thirty six to twenty four against the Bulldogs. They're thirty four twenty. Thirty four twenty. Sorry, thirty four twenty. Well, there you go. Like they're not conceding. Very difficult to believe that he's going to concede much more than twenty points against the Roosters. Do you know what I mean? And the Roosters yep. are a lot better taking time than the Bulldogs. So yep. I think that's him. I don't think it's the Raiders. I think he manages to get his team to the level that they need to be against his opponent. He just gets them there. And sometimes it's a little bit below the opponent and sometimes it's a little bit above the opponent. Well, this would, this would have the Raiders... If the Raiders get a win here, that's got them pretty primed to get a top four finish. There you go. There you go. And, and, the, Roosters, and the Roosters to not. No, or, no. Oh, well. or, or the Roosters and the Raiders both, you, you're thinking they're both going to slip in and they, or both teams are going to leapfrog Parramatta. Yeah, I think Parramatta are sliding, bro. I think they're sliding. Really? The, Raiders, the Raiders run after... They, this would be obviously their toughest game. They play the Dragons. They play the Warriors. Uh, and then they play um, the Sharks. And the Raiders? So, the Raiders, yeah. yeah Sharks well, a lot. If they were yeah. this game, they'll probably win all of them. Yeah. Shit. That'll put them on 28, 20, 30 points. But then again, they might not win them all either, though, because that's what he does. He gets them to be in that little, that little zone. Yeah. I can't wait for Papali'i versus Hargraves. Yeah, that's good. Like those boys. I also think Siwa knows that he's not going to leave his mate hanging. And, yeah. Uh, Jared was having a little practice session, you know, just, you know, against the Broncos, against the baby. Yeah, Broncos. yeah. yeah. Practice against them, you know, a couple of jabs, but I think yeah. CY's going to have to chime in a little bit, you know. Go, okay, Cuzzy, we need you over here a little bit. And yeah. uh, Isaac Lee, Liu, I think, I just think it's going to be a cracker of a game. I think Boy Corner's going to be better. Uh, correct me if I'm Boy Corner didn't play last time. Uh, he. He did play. No, he did not play the he last time because he 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 played the Melbourne game, and then Correct, that's the last game he played. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be no, no, no. Boyd, Boyd Gordon played against Canberra, did he? Maybe not. Maybe you're right. Anyway, we're splitting hairs. It doesn't matter. Um, it's going to be a good game. Satili Tupanua is going to be no Boyd yeah, Gordon. Gordon played. Gordon played. That's Boyd the last Gordon game he played. Is last game he played. Gordon up against Bateman. 
Uh, yeah, Bateman's on the right. Yeah, so Cordner up against Bateman. It's got to be a battle. It's got to be a fucking battle. The Morris brothers, the Morris brothers, man. I, I just think it's got to be on. I really yeah. do. Hot trick, shot, chance. It's got to be. Yeah. Donkey Kong. Rapping up, fired up. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm ready to play. You know, I'm ready to play. Get me out there, Robo. The thing is, we don't have Kiri. Now, Kiri's great. You know, Roosters are going to yeah. be good. It's still going to be a contest, but that's the way, you know, let's take us back to the grand final last year. You know, he was exactly. the one who jumped out of WR. You know what I mean? We had Cooper Cronk. So I think that's really the only place that they've got us is George Williams and Jack Warren. Everywhere else, we're evenly matched. We're evenly matched. Yeah, well, I, th- I, think, I think the Roosters are probably going to have, they probably might have the edge for them in the forward pack overall. Overall? Overall. Papali can go with any of them. He's, you know, we've said it many times. I think, I think he's, he's the best front rower in the game. Um, look, Friendy's, I mean, he was, if he's assuming that he passes the concussion protocols, he's he's going to want to step up in the absence of the Josh Hodgson. You know, they've got this um, Havili and Stalin who have been just, have kind of changed the, the Raiders' identity a little bit in how they play, naturally, because so much of their attack has come through Hodgson. So they're playing a different style of footy, but it's, it's almost complementing... Um, you know, the way they want to do things with uh, with Williams and I guess just having Bateman back. Well, it could be a little bit of that mentality of next man up. Like we're not gonna make an excuse that we don't have Hodson. Okay, yeah. it's nice. And it's not like it's not like they're they're um, just type of players that we've seen, I've seen anyway. They're not guys that just, you know, service. They do get out. So it's not too different. And the thing the beauty of, of uh, George Williams' game is he's a very he's you know, we've only seen him for one season. But just in that, just even playing the Melbourne, that just that Melbourne when they came back from the break, was just like he he just has the right balance. You know what I mean? Yeah. If there's a if there's a cup and you need to fill that cup up perfectly, he just does it. He gets he doesn't overfill it. He doesn't underfill it. He just fills it up perfectly. And he is a type of player uh, where I don't think he's too bothered at how the nine plays. If he wants to jump out, jump out. You want to give me the ball? Give me the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got to play off what the front Because he's, you know, he might have the the skills with the ball and the kicking and all that stuff, but you know what he's got? The footwork. To be able to, if he gets it a little bit later, he can still jump on the outside of his man. He's got the pass when he needs to pass it if he needs to. He's got the kick. So he's not too bothered. He's not dictated to how he needs his nine to play. You know what I mean? Whereas sometimes your halfback needs a nine to sort of be a certain way. Or if it's not a certain way, they need to know what the nine's doing. Well, whatever it is, they need to know what he's doing. Whereas George Williams isn't that type of halfback. And Jack Wyden isn't that type of 580 where he needs to know what the seven's doing. And so it's probably the fact that it's those two that are allowing the nines to be able to do whatever they need to do. And they can't do what Hodgson does, but they can do what they do. Which yeah. isn't you know, they're, they're not, you know, um, they're not Cam Smith, Harry Grant. They're not Epicoracell in a way. But they're also not, you know, I'm not trying to knock him. You know, he played State of Origin, so he's not a slouch. But he's not like Nathan Peets, where they just service the ball and tackle. Yeah. You know? they're, they're probably in between the Harry Grants and the Epicoracells and, and the guys who just service the ball, who make, you know, millions and millions of tackles and, and just give good service to whoever, whoever wants the ball, really. Well, what, what's interesting, I sort of, uh, if we go back to your prediction, and if they, those things do play out the way you say they, 
uh, you weigh the, the way that you've just said with a, a Raiders victory and they were to, you know, finish off the season um, undefeated. And Paramount do slide the way we say they're going to slide. That would create some very interesting matchups for that top four. Yeah, because that would probably finish fourth. Yep, and that would pit Melbourne versus Canberra again. Yep. And it would be Penrith versus the Roosters. Yeah. If it it all played out that way. Yeah. Well, we would need to have the week off if we're going to go three in a row. The Roosters, to be fair, it's been said millions of times. uh, But to win the comp, as it is in any season, but more so this season, you're going to need that break. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean, this is the other thing, is it doesn't necessarily mean having the break gets you into the grand final, but that break allows you to win the grand final. Yeah. That's how it is. Well, I mean, look, look, the the proof is in the evidence there. You know, there's there's been one outlier. We've seen teams uh, not get the week off and make the grand final. Um, but the only, the only outlier since we've had this uh, this top four system um, has been the Cowboys in 2015. They lost the and first. I and I uh, yeah they lost and they lost the first week they mm. lost the first week the Cowboys they lost to the Broncos the Broncos okay yeah they lost to the Broncos in the first week and then obviously they went the long way around and got their revenge in the grand final but I do always look at that year as an anomaly. And I mean, it's an anomaly to that to that rule, but also for the fact that, um, you know, it's just the kind of thing that happens. But we sort of spoke about it last week about that. I, as a Roosters fan, I look at that as a year that got away. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 2015. And remember, I said last week, last week that the Roosters won 12 in a row that year to close out the year, and then Hargraves and Pierce went down the last fight, the final rounds of the, the season. It wasn't the last game. It wasn't the last game. It might have been like... Broncos. Two, it was round, the three rounds out. It was the third last round of the year against the Broncos. We won that game, but Jared did his ACL and Pierce did his hammy. Um, now, I understated the form that the Roosters had. They didn't just win the last 12. They won 15 of the last 16. Yeah, yeah. They were three and five to start that year. And then a couple of injuries sort of sidelined them and it really opened it up for those for the Broncos and the Cowboys. And those were the top three teams that year. It was the Roosters and those two Queensland teams. And you kind of took out one of the strikes um, when you lose injuries to key guys. And that's, I guess that's what we talk about, or what you've mentioned that could be the difference, really. I guess with no Kiri, a lot of pressure on Kyle Flanagan and yeah, obviously Drew Hutchinson. And as good as Hutchinson has been for the Roosters, he's not the X-Factor type of six like he's... No. He's just there to fill a void, fill a role. He's been doing a good job while he's been there. Um, and I don't want to knock him because he's been very, very good for the Roosters. Kyle Flanagan, let's face it, was dropped this year. Um, so it doesn't, again, I'm not saying he's playing bad, but what I'm saying is there's a big difference between our halves and their form and where they are at the moment and their halves that are playing on the night. Anyway, you know, like Kiri probably brings up that our halves combination to their level, really. Yeah. Um, so that's where I feel there's got to be a little bit of a difference there. And a lot of pressure's going to be put onto our young halfback. Um, he's a rookie. At the end of the day, he's a rookie. He's a rookie. He's a rookie. Anyway, yeah. uh, hopefully I'm wrong. You know, I don't mind being wrong about that one. You know, I don't yeah. cold what night down Saturday night. Probably, it, you know, we're we're on the last day. We're in the the edges of winter now. We're ready to come into spring. 
Um, and we love September footy. Normally, September footy for us means finals footy, but this time we're uh, we're stretching it out. We get a little appetite. The, cup, the cups a whole different ball game. I think that'll be a low-scoring game then. If it's going to play out that way, like I can't see good out than it was before. 18-14. something like that. Yeah, fair enough. No. All right, is there any other sports going on in the world? We've got the playoffs at the moment. The Celtics got through with a sweep. Um, I think we spoke about that last week. How they, they going with their series? They're brilliant. They've just uh, just kicked off their series against Toronto. Um, this is where it's all happening in the East. Is you know The first rounds were all blowouts, as, as expected, but there's four really good teams in the East. So they played early this morning on the, on the 31st of August, and the Celtics, they towed them up. They towed up the Raptors. Um, and that was without Tatum dominating. You know, they just had... It's been funny because when Gordon Hayward went down, um, it felt like it's going to be really hard for the Celtics to come up against this deep Raptors team without another another ball hand or another key wing in Gordon Hayward. But it's just allowed them to play Marcus Smart more. They've played this kind of small ball, you know, really effectively. And yeah, look... They blew the the Raptors off the park. Now, granted, the Raptors are a great team and they will respond. Um, But it's very interesting. Obviously, this is a very different playoffs this year because there is no home and away. And it's such a big part of every sport, definitely basketball. And when you're playing seven-game series and you're wanting to have an advantage um, by having that home crowd, you're just all playing at the same ground, uh, same ground, same, same court. So, you know, there's no travel. You're not like... And especially Toronto, that's where... That'd be a place where um, it's not that far from Boston, but you're still getting on a plane and going through customs and handing your passport and going into a hostile. foreign land. Hostile. Like you're going... You're yes, going, hostile. Exactly. That, that, like it's more relevant in American sport than it is in, in Australian sport because it's a completely different city. It's a completely exactly. different place. Like we went yeah. to a game, me and Vince went to a game back in 2012 and the only Atlanta Hawk play, people there were the players. You did not yeah. see another Atlanta Hawks singlet besides the yeah. ones that are on the court. Yeah. Whereas you go to you go to a footy game over here and it could be Manly versus the Raiders and you got a South Sydney guy there and it's fucking Jersey. Yeah. No, it is. It's a whole new brand of hostility. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting how that all shapes up as these playoffs continue. Um so on the other the other side of the draw for the East, uh, tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning we'll get the first game of the Bucks versus the Heat. So uh, nothing's really happened. We spoke about it last week, but because there was a bit of break um, with some, uh, while they've sort of hashed out some social justice stuff, um, now we're going to get to see that series, that 1v4 matchup. So that's pretty mouthwatering. A lot of pressure on Milwaukee. If they were to lose um, to the Heat in the second round, after, if, and then last year they didn't get to the finals either, Milwaukee would be scared of potentially losing Giannis because at the end of next year is his last year on this deal and then he's a free agent ready to sign a Supermax contract. And at 20, he'd be 26 next year. So you're just coming into... I mean, it's, you've got eerie elements of Kevin Durant and LeBron, these world-class players who eventually left where they were to find somewhere else and play with someone else to get that elusive title. So... A lot of pressure, but look, the Bucks have been number one all year for a reason. Um, Giannis was just crowned Defensive Player of the Year. He's shortly going to be crowned MVP as well. Only the third person in history to do that. The other two guys that did that, pretty fucking special players. One, Hakeem Olajuwon, and the other one, well, we all know his name. There was a fucking 10-part series about him. 
Michael Jordan. They're the only three people to do it in the same year. So it's a pretty elite class. Now, if you go over the West, this is where all the action's happening. Um, the Lakers have finished off Portland, you know, 4-1. It was too easy. And Damon Lillard was out injured by the last game. So, you know, they're, they're always going to be so much classier and, and stronger than, than that Portland side. Um, you know, they got their Portland game and gave them a whack in the mouth in game one. And it was almost a little jab that the, you know, the top seed needed to go, all right, let's fucking go. But LeBron, LeBron never went to college. Hey, look, LeBron's never lost a first-round series. Never. There you go. His win-loss record in the first round is 52-10. and 10. He's won 14 first-round series. So he doesn't lose first-round series. Um, the team, they're, they're waiting for their opponent. Um, OKC versus the Thunder is the other side of the, the coin that they would be playing. Um, and that's 13 series. That's 13 series. 13 series. Sorry. So 13. Master on. So, yeah, they're, they're waiting on the, the winner of uh, OKC versus Houston. Uh, currently 3-2 to the Rockets. Um, Rockets won a pretty key game five on the weekend, and they didn't just win. They won by 35, I think. They fucking pumped them. Russell Westbrook came back for his first game, played 15, 20 minutes, you know. Didn't, didn't do a lot. It was more just getting back out there in the rhythm of things after a quad injury. Harden went off for plenty. And the Thunder scored 35 points in the second half. So, now this is where we go back to this home and away, you know, difference this year. So, normally, um, you would have the Rockets who were... They actually finished fifth and the Thunder finished fourth. Now, granted, these seeding games played out to a position where the Rockets knew that it didn't really matter. They were going to play that team and they're going to play him over there in that court. Um, But normally, this would be... Um, you know, a home that home field advantage would, would sway your way. So here, though, with a 3-2, this would be a game in Houston. So the Rockets would be up 3-2, heading back to Houston to try and take it home. But they're playing in that same gym, and it kind of evens the score. So you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen here. You know, I don't want to count Chris Paul and the Thunder out. But it just what, feels what, like the Rockets might what, be too did, good. Did, did OKC finish higher than Houston? They did. They finished fourth. And... And the, and Houston finished fifth. I think they won the same amount of games, or there might have been one game difference. Yeah, yeah. So very close, very close. Now, if you go to the other one, Clippers, they took care of business, beat the Mavericks um, as we expected them to, four two. But the game, this you know, Kawhi just doing Kawhi things. Luca not enough support. the The series there's been the the series of the first round is the Denver Nuggets up against the Utah Jazz. Uh, Jazz were up three one. And the Nuggets have come back. And when we spoke about this last week, I said, I think the Jazz are just going to, they're going to be too good. It's pretty hard to come back from 3-1. But when you don't have to travel to the other team's court or city and that hostility, it certainly evens the playing field. And Jamal Murray in the last three games has scored 50, 42, and 50. So it's 3-3. We've got game seven coming up in a couple of days. And the winner of that plays the Clippers. So Mm -hmm. look, to be honest, whoever wins that, I think the Clippers are probably going to win. But... It's still making for a very exciting game seven. So, uh, yeah, can't wait, mate. It's really starting to heat up when we get into second round playoff basketball. That's when it all really starts to fucking get nerve wracking, exciting, um, and action packed. Well, there you go. Well, I think we're going to have to call that a wrap for tonight, anyway, Cass. Um, as usual, absolute pleasure uh, chatting to you about footy, rugby league, sport in general. Um, yeah. Thanks for thanks for uh, Can't wait for Saturday night. Sunny. 
Also, guys, if you, you've made it this far, thank you very much for listening. Uh, get behind us, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Also, if you can, please, please, please tell a friend, listen to us, subscribe, uh, share it to the world, get us out there. Because like we said, we'd rather hear about football and sport than hearing about people, whether they should sign or not sign. Anyway, exactly. uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for having me on again, as we always are, Kaz. Bit of pleasure. Peace out. Up the chooks. Peace out, kids. Up the chookies. Fuck out!